everyone, welcome back to episode 6 of It's a Wonderful Podcast. I am Morgan Robinson, as uh, as I always am, because I'm always here. Uh, and I'm doing the intro this week because this is my choice of film. With me, as always, uh, is Nolan Dean. Hello, how are you doing? Uh, my, I feel like my whole life got a reboot this week, so I'm feeling pretty good. Ooh. I'm intrigued to know why. Why was that? Well, you might have seen uh, yesterday, I decided to brand my video essays now with a cool little intro, and uh, I've got another yes. job interview coming up on Monday, so lovely. things are looking up. Lovely. Well, let's all wish Nolan all the best, and anyone that likes this uh, show should also be wishing Nolan the best, because he's delightful, as we all know. Um, what was I going to say... To start bel- off the episode, you were going to talk about Manchester's weather and why it's. Terrible. I was not going to talk about Manchester. I was actually going to say because we haven't said it yet, even though it's in the title and everything. Today we are talking about uh, it happened one night, which is our second screwball comedy of the show. Um, I'm. It, be interesting to get into a discussion on on which each of us think is uh, is the better screwball comedy, this or bringing up Baby from episode two. Uh, it, it happened. It happened one night. Has uh, it's a pretty sort of landmark film in terms of records. First film to win the big uh, big five Academy Awards. Still one of only three to do that. Uh, of course, way back in 1934, this did it. But uh, before we go on, Nolan, it happened one night. What do you reckon? Well, what I reckon is I, I have a feeling I know why you started this show because I can remember last year when we were making plans to come visit each other, you said you wanted to just sit down and show me all these screwball comedies. Yeah. So part of this show is you also doing that because I couldn't make it to Manchester. And I'm, I'm I'm grateful for the opportunity because you, you mentioned uh, which movie do we like better. Yeah. Uh, right now, I can say I think I enjoyed bringing up Baby a bit more, okay. but I still respected a lot of what was going on and it happened one night. It was also a very fun, very heartfelt movie. Yeah, it's, it's clear to to see why people would kind of prefer something like Bringing Up Baby because it's it's far sillier than It Happened One Night. Um, you know, It Happened One Night is, let's say, the granddaddy of romantic comedies, whereas Bringing Up Baby is kind of the granddaddy of zany comedies. Um, but I think, I think It Happened One Night has... Um, well, what I, first of all, let's say this. What I found most interesting when re-watching It Happened One Night and comparing it to something like Bringing Up Baby was that the, the character roles are switched in uh, in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Claudette Colbert is very much the, the sort of straight, uh, just when I get things done, type of uh, type of girl that Cary Grant is in Bringing Up Baby and Clark Gable's kind of the sillier one and fun, more fun-loving one uh, to, to Catherine Hepburn's uh, character in, in Bringing Up Baby. So I found that really, really quite interesting. Obviously it was a thing that I knew of from the film, but watching the two of them fairly closely together made me realise that. Yeah, um, I mean... When you first, I first opened with this movie. It's on, takes place on a yacht, and we're introduced to our main character, who's described as a spoiled heiress. So yeah, immediately I was, I was thinking, am I gonna be able to relate to this character as much as I did with the characters in Bringing Up Baby? And not exactly, but it was fun to see this movie humanize these kinds of people that you wouldn't think could be kind of humanized. Like you have this journalist who thinks way too much about his work and a spoiled Mm -hmm. heiress who if directed by anybody else could make some of the most unrelatable characters ever but this didn't go in that direction so i'm glad that the screwball comedy genre something i'm new to is being able to take these kind of 
stereotypes and make me like them in a new way. Yeah, there's always a spoilt heiress in a in a film from this sort of genre and era, and uh, near enough always a journalist as well. I love how it's it's always a, a newspaper man who, for some reason, early romantic leads were just apparently journalists for some reason, which is a strange thing to think about because a journalist is arguably the last person you'd put in a romantic lead today. Uh, I don't know why it's the sort of the charm and the wit of the uh, old age journalist, maybe. I don't know. Clark Gable, though, uh, uh, very handsome man. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Just, I was sat there for, uh, you know, an hour 40 or however long it happened one night, is just admiring his pristine moustache. Because <laughs> it's so small, but yet so precise. I'm supposed to be the one of us that likes guys here. That is true, but... See, I, I'm focusing mainly on the facial hair. I see. That's, that's your fetish, okay. Mainly on the facial hair right now. Um, <laughs> Clark Gable got the the distinguishedness of, of, of a Vincent Price, but yet with a smaller moustache. It's weird. I never thought I'd hear Clark Gable and Vincent Price compared. But they but, both uh, have excellent moustaches. Well, I guess that's what this show is for. That's what the show is for. The show is talking about nonsense that has some relevance to the film we are discussing. Have that Clark week. Gable and Vincent Price ever been in a movie together? Oh, I don't know, but that would kill me. If, um, <laughs> if that happened, the amount of moustache power. Your hormones would just not be able to take it. it. It's like me when I look at Timothy Chalamet. Well, yes, but your hormones would not be able to take it in a different way. That's true. Uh, to mine. <laughs> um, right. What? What are we even doing? We've got onto nonsense. I, I already. We, we were talking about the opening scene, yes, we which for a screwball comedy, I think this one was a very funny and almost unexpected opening scene for me. Uh, you have the main character, the spoiled mm -hmm. heiress, whinging that uh, she can't get off a boat and go see her fiancé and her dad's being all controlling and weirdly enough taunting her with steak yeah. and then she just like flips that. the I don't want plate any steak. up and sw swims to shore and it just it shows you how determined this character yeah. is so immediately I was splitting my sides she, laughing as it always is with screwball comedies there's some sort of parental problems with the 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 woman always and i think it happened one night has the most outright i don't want anything to do with you right now where she just no i'm jumping off this ship and i don't care anymore i'm just going nice. i'm going for it screw your well-cooked steak yep. i'm swimming I, I want some fish i want fish on the menu exactly and then of course the uh well the main the main plot takes a place on a bus journey from uh, Miami to New York to be honest he's, I yeah, honestly I can relate to that because I spend at least an hour and a half on a bus <laughs> journey every morning so I could probably Buses watch this I could watch this movie like in the time it takes me to get to school that's nasty that's oh you should watch it on a bus that would make your bus journeys far more tolerable oh definitely a nice when you're film in Scotland. about a bus journey I can imagine what Scottish buses are like. Oh, you it's don't a, want to. It's not. No. It's not a nice. Uh, it's not a nice thought. Everyone. All I'll say is it's that one nice of the major thought. bus companies in Scotland is apparently owned by gangsters. Of course it is. That's good. <laughs> I love that. Gangster buses. But, but this you know, bus journey was thankfully a lot more delightful. So very very delightful. Starts off kind of, uh, kind of shaky. Clark Gable's kind of just toying he starts off very very playful and it's just like not, not necessarily creepy playful like you could have it's more of just it's like not... he just wants to kind of annoy you 
it's not like a John Stamos kind of thing where he's clearly always coming no. on to her. He's doing it as no, a joke. He's just he's just having a bit of fun because uh, you know he himself is sort of as he as always this character is a down on his luck reporter who needs a story to get himself back in with his paper because his paper doesn't like him anymore. Is that just a rule with journalist characters now? Someone has to not like them? Well, everybody, nobody likes... Yeah, of course it is. That is a rule, especially in films like this. That is a stone-cold rule. If Timothy Chalamet um, played a journalist, I would love journalists. Timothy Chalamet probably would not play a journalist. Certainly not uh, a journalist with, with the amount of... Of quick thinking wit, as a a journalist from the thirties, more but, of a uh, more of a the post kind of journalist. I would feel that that Timothy Chalamet would play I a do spotlight f- kind of journalist. I do find it interesting though that he does toy with her at the beginning because journalists are always about kind of uncovering what kind of person they're mm-hmm. talking to is and it feels almost as if he's using that to test what kind of person he's going to be dealing with for the whole movie and it's a nice little detail that's not really touched on i don't know if that's really what he's doing but uh it's stuff like that that kind of makes a layered character for me yeah i mean i i can't admit to to having thought about that but that's a really good point actually i didn't even i didn't think about that maybe he is Maybe that is exactly what he's doing. He's trying to gauge what kind of person she is because he knows that from a bus journey to to New York from Miami is a ridiculous long way. So, and you sat with the person you sat next to, basically. There's no change in that. And it's just, you're going to have to deal with it as best you can. And, well, they deal with it in a pretty pretty nice way because... um, as as the journey goes on, different. I think they end up missing the bus at one point, and then end up having to stay in some sort of. I don't even know what place that is. It it's could, some kind of motel slash slash campsite lodge. It reminded me of the Florida Project in a way. Okay, it is. It's like a. Because it's got communal showers. Which was one of my favourite <laughs> scenes in the movie, because you have this really fish-out-of-water scenario, and then the heiress is just, like, thinking she can walk into yeah, the shower, just like that. like everyone knows who she is, and then all these women are there like, hey, if you want to get into the shower, get to the back of the line. It just walks, it, that's just my walks very, in on someone in the shower. I love it. That's my very bad old-timey voice. Yeah, don't do that again. Let's not, let's <laughs> not do that. I will, I will, I will say, though, that my my whole favourite scenes in in the whole film are in that little motel slash campsite slash lodge place. As... Like, pe- people started, like, invading their room and stuff, yeah. and I was just like, what is going on? It's because people, by this point, because Claudette Colbert's character is so sort of famous in terms of being this heiress, uh, there's people looking for her because... After she jumped off the ship at the beginning, her dad's basically like, well, we don't know where she is, we have to find her. And people are tracking her, and they end up thinking she is where she is in this uh, in this little house. And it, I love, I love it, because as soon as they get there, it's like Clark Gable just, yeah, well, let's put the walls of Jericho up to separate us, uh, so let's keep our modesty. And he's just... With you doing he's, this with a huge sort of playful smile on his face, he's clearly not going to do anything, but he's just doing it for the fun of it. That that's what journalists do. <laughs> Put uh, a towel. What is it? It's like a towel or a sheet that just hangs up halfway across the room. This is my and side, and that is your side. It is. But puts his. Uh, I do love that. It's a uh, screw comedies are, are filled with such wonderful sort of quick dialogue, though, and this is absolutely no different. Considering it is 
known as the first screwball comedy, really. I think one of my favourite lines, purely because of of Claudette Colbert's delivery, is when they get to that uh, to that little house, and Clark Gable's explaining to her, "Well, yeah, I booked us in here as as, as a couple. We are Mister and Mrs. Whatever." And Claude Colbert just properly deadpan, just says, what am I supposed to do, leap for joy? (laughs) It's just like, I love this because usually, usually in screwball comedies, you'd get, it's the complete other way around. It's just, it was nice to, to be remembered. Or it's nice, it was nice to watch this and remembering that a female can, a in the first screwball comedy, it was a female that played the more sort of sarcastic, uh, sort of tired of the other person's nonsense one. And I love that. I I can agree with that as well. And, you know, I like seeing it when... Because uh, I'm thinking for the 30s, was the sarcastic female lead common back then? I see... I don't know. I don't know. Maybe not. It's strange. Not that I can think of. Because a female lead, especially, like I said, especially in a film like this, a female lead is a bit more, you know, free-spirited and stuff like that. That's what she's... um, I can't think of too many. There probably is. And please, anyone who's listening who can think of any more sarcastic female leads of the 30s. Uh, I'm sure there is one somewhere, but not that I can think of off the top of my head. So maybe Claudette's on her own little uh, pedestal on her own. But There is kind of a tragedy to uh, her character, though, that I, that I picked up on. Because she's this heiress, it's clear that she's never really gone through stuff that regular people go through, like going on a bus yeah. or staying at a motel, and in a weird way, I almost kind of pity her because it's like she comes from a place of such success, but like out there in the real world, she's considered no better than anybody else. Yeah. And there's kind of a weird tragedy in that, but they do play it up for laughs most of the time. Yeah, that's you know that's a that's a common sort of of theme in older romantic comedy films. You you see that in. Uh, Sabrina with Audrey Hepburn and and Humphrey Bogart. She's a very sort of she she's lived a certain way for her entire life. You also see it in in Roman Holiday with Audrey Hepburn as well, where of course she plays a princess who just has a wacky day in Rome with Gregory Peck one day. I, I'm convinced the, Audrey Hepburn film. was a princess in real life. She might have been. Grace Kelly was, but uh, Audrey Hepburn. I don't think officially was a princess, although let's be fair, she deserved to be. Um, but yeah, in Sabrina as well, because she ends up moving to like Paris and just completely to, like to learn how to cook in that, and she's just awful at it at first because she's got no idea of what actually goes on. And like you say, I think that's a great. It's similar to. Uh, to Claudette Colbert in in It Happened One Night. It's a great character point. Did you like the part where they're on the bus and everyone starts singing? Because I can tell you... I love the part where they're on the bus and start singing. I can tell you in modern-day Britain, that would be replaced with a gang of football hooligans chanting away at their club's theme and everyone just wants them to get off, but here it's just so much more delightful. I would like to point out that football hooliganism isn't as bad as it used to be in Britain. But yet it still does exist. It's not as bad as it used to be. Nobody's died for a while, I don't think. Um, We only had one stabbing last week. That's a better record. I don't... Look, I don't know. But I don't... (laughs) um, No, you wouldn't be able to sing on a bus... And I love the fact that they do sing on a bus. It's like it feels like a proper party when they just start singing. the The daring young man on the flying trapeze is what they start singing, and everyone gets involved, including 
interesting piece of trivia. The guy who sings the third verse is actually Frank Capra, the director. This must have started the thing where directors like to do cameos in their own movies. It's a very early director cameo, I must say. Um, did, Did we even say, did I even say that Frank Capra directs it happened one night? Frank Capra, the unparalleled Frank Capra, the master Frank Capra, the I love him so much Frank Capra. Uh, directed it happened one night and uh, yeah he he shows up as the younger guy who sings the third verse of the daring young man on the flying trapeze so there interesting i imagine for a film fan in the 30s finding that out must have felt really cool because we didn't have imdb trivia back then no that's true but people probably didn't know what frank capra looked like that's a fair but that's a fair point actually it's probably just recognise the name, you know. You, yes, you get a big title card, um, and all that. But do we really know what what they looked like? I don't know what most. I don't know what some well-known directors look like today. Darren Aronofsky, you can tell what he looks like because he wears a lot of scarves. I, am I thinking of Darren Aronofsky now, or am I thinking of Joss Whedon? See, I don't know. But let's not think of Joss Whedon. No, I'm just saying, like. <laughs> You mentioned Darren Aronofsky, and I now have in my head someone who I think is Joss Whedon. You need to you need to brush up on your director lookalike. I don't trivia. know what they look like. I don't need to know what they look like. I need to know if I like the films or not. That's fair. I can see that. I think I think that is a fair point. I think one nil to me. No, that was just that would just be silly. What do they do? Uh, what do they do after they've left? The, uh, the little house. Well, this is when you can tell there's kind of a connection forming between them. Yeah. And Claudette, uh, Colbert's character, is she's clearly dead set on getting back to her fiancé. That's what she wants. Yeah. But she then, after spending so much time with Clark Gable's character, you can tell they kind of fall for each other a little bit. Of course they do. Like, of course they do. It's a romantic comedy. Happens. We know this is going to happen. It's a film. This is what happens in a film. And, and then, I guess this is an heiress thing, but having to explain to your father that you want to marry a common man, a working man. A common man. Yes, uh, a mortal. That, I can imagine the kind of pressure that would be, even though I don't relate to it, so... Mm-hmm. It, it sort of made me want to like see the ending where they eventually get together. So when that happens, you get pretty happy at the end. Yeah, I mean, we would be remiss if we didn't bring up the wonderful hitchhiking scene. Oh yes, of course. Which is perhaps the most funny thing <laughs> that Clark Gable has ever done. Please talk us through it. This is your episode. I, I will. I will talk you through this. They have nowhere to go. There are no buses. They're in the middle of basically nowhere. There's just two of them. They've just spent the night sleeping on hay. They, they, they're all... They need a wash. They're all dirty. They find a road. And Clark Gable decides, I know how to hitchhike. Let me show you how to hitchhike. There are three ways of hitchhiking. One way... And then he got... He, it's a ve- it's a real shame that this is an audio only podcast right now. Um, what I'm gonna pull the video up for this. The first way, first way of hitchhiking, is to very seriously and quite aggressively put your thumb up and look the person who's driving in the eye. That's number one. Number two is just ridiculous because it's where he starts. Very creepily smiling and wiggling his hand around whilst hitchhiking with his thumb. That's number two. (laughs) And uh, number three is the looking very sad and draw out your your hitchhiking uh, thumb and motion. So basically, then, then like cars start coming really quickly. And he's just trying them all one after each other. And it's really funny. He's getting absolutely nowhere with any of them. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure hitchhiking is illegal in most cases. I, I wouldn't trust it. Is hitchhiking it. illegal? I don't think hitchhiking is illegal. Be, 
it was where I grew up. I mean, you wouldn't want to get into a car with some stranger where I grew up, but... Uh... That, do you know what? That is honestly one thing that I have no idea if it's legal or not. I couldn't tell you right now, actually. I've always assumed it, it was just... It was fine. I don't know. Nope. Maybe it was fine in the let's, 30s. Let's make that a question for the viewers. Is hitchhiking illegal? Give us your stance Maybe not, on is it. Is hitchhiking illegal? Okay, new poll. Let's put a poll... We've oh, had, we're putting a poll up a, about we've hitchhiking. We've not had a poll for a while. We've not had a poll for a while. Uh, would you hitchhike? Or would you would you would you hitchhike? Quite simply, yeah. Let's do that. Talk us uh, talk us through what Claudette Colbert does to uh, basically annoy Clark Gable once he's failed at hitchhiking, and she decides to hitchhike her own way. While I put the poll out. Well, this is, it's one of those things. I mean, she's obviously, I th- it might be that she has some kind of view on how this is done, but it's like, it's sort of a let me show you how this is done kind of scenario. And that's kind of funny because you think Clark Gable, he's acting like the common man. He knows how to get all this stuff done. And then Claudette Colbert, who has no experience in it, would probably end up doing it better than him. So... I found that like a cool little way to have her own the scene, um, if you course. get me. She she just decides to play on men's desires and... Uh... <laughs> See, I didn't want to say it what? that way. I was trying to make well, it like, no, more artistic. No, there's no artistic. There's, there's, no, there's no artistic. She's, she's entirely in control of the situation. Let's not say let's not not say that because she is entirely in control of that situation but it's a very famous scene of her just pulling pulling up a dress a bit and putting a leg out flashing her, her lower leg and apparently that's enough to get this guy to stop very quickly and they manage they manage to get on their way and Clark Gable's face when she does that is so just abject terror the man is shocked at what she's just done i love the fact that he's shocked at what she's just done and she's just like yeah well we've got what we wanted that must be why i never got hitchhiked properly when i was growing up because when i showed my leg they didn't (laughs) they 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 just they sped up in fact well i i i would imagine they did I would imagine seeing your bare thigh is enough to make people run away. <laughs> Although, I don't want to know, really. What, what are we talking about? <laughs> I don't know what we're talking about. We've we've gone for a really weird episode this week. Well, I, I, screwball comedy is weird, so we're screw, just kind of mimicking that, that. That is true. We're doing a good job of, of making the screwball comedy episodes into screwball comedies of their own. What happens after the hitchhiking? Well, I'm, try- I'm trying to remember the exact sequence of events because I saw it like last week. Uh, can yeah, we were supposed to record this earlier than we are doing. We'll admit that. Hold, hold up, I will get it right there. We're uh, thinking this is this is what podcasting does. This is the this is the joys of an unedited show. Yes, ladies and gentlemen. I now. Someone tries to steal their luggage. Yes. Yes, which, they do. Which, which, after going through all that trouble to hitchhike... Yeah. Then getting your luggage stolen. <laughs> the, the, the screenwriter did not want these characters to have a good day at all, did Look, they? Look, it's not a good journey. No one ever said it was a good journey that they went on. But... They ha- they're having these uh, these misfortunes together, and that is what brings them together. The shared experience of this fairly nightmarish journey. Um, in all this, I mean, once you get to the end, there's sort of there's the always like, oh, was Clark? Was it really done for the? Did we actually connect, or were you just after your? story because that's a, a plot point in in the film is is Clark Gable of course needs a story and he basically thinks that Claudette Colbert is going to be that story and she's kind of 
She's not okay when she finds that out. Well, well, would, who wouldn't be, to be honest? No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't be. But she's she's really not okay. And we've seen sort of we've seen her become slightly more fun loving over the course of the film. And uh, you know when when they do get back up, you know to where they're going, or to at least near about where they're going, and she finds out that he has a a story to write and that's why he's be that's quote unquote why he's being so nice to her um she's she's very offended and that's the big sort of oh has this relationship failed which of course it hasn't because it's a goddamn romantic comedy for god's sake but uh, that's your that's your will this relationship actually end well kind of point that we see so often but like we said, this is the great-grandfather of romantic comedies, and there's a reason that is a trope of them these days. This might be why I think this movie did so well at at the Oscars and that, because not only is it really funny, but you have these moments of heartfelt drama that sort of... they. I, I, don't, want, I don't want to say they add to the comedy, because they're kind of separate things, but they they make the comedy like brighter. If if you know what I mean, yeah, definitely. I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. Um, in in a, in a more sort of light-hearted sense. Yeah, and then after that, uh, she phones her dad, and and then they end up agreeing for her to marry her fiance Wesley, which is honestly can can you get a more douchebaggy name than well? That's the point, Wesley. That is the point. Of course, heiresses are going to marry someone from the country club who have a, a ridiculous name, like he Wesley. Might, Not he Wesley. As, with a, It's got a T in there for some reason. He might as well have been called Chad McDoucheface. <laughs> Chad wouldn't have, wouldn't have rolled in the 30s. I'm not having that Chad was a name. Not back then. Just Wesley. Wesley, that, Wesley's not a good name. Wesley is, is, it's not a good name, and we barely know the guy. To be fair, he, he's just maybe he's a nice guy, but he's your sure, typical. I'm sure he's asshole. a lovely guy. I'm sure he's a lovely guy, but he is just the guy that Clark Gable has to beat to to win he, the affection of Claudette Colbert. He's the type of guy who I think if he walked into a McDonald's, he would try and order a steak. That's a really good analogy. I like that a lot. <laughs> I've never heard Me and that my, anal- my analogies are now becoming a part of this show. That's the strength of being a writer. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I love uh, that. So. But it's good, it's good to see that... Uh, Clark Gable's character does end up missing her after she's yeah, gone. Yeah, he does. When, once they're, once they they are where they need to be, he he is he's he misses the time that he's spent with her basically, and she she misses the time he's spent with him. But he's still kind of offended that she thinks it was all for a story. Journalists do have hearts. That's the moral of this movie. Really, that's the moral of most screwball comedies: is that journalists do have hearts, and heiresses just want to marry people that they want to marry, and not that their dads want them to marry. Mm-hmm. That is Thank the that screwball is... comedy. We have cracked what... the code. That is what it is. Okay. Well. I think for a special episode, we should try and write and dramatize our own screwball comedy with some guest voice actors. Oh my god! No, <laughs> Raúl. Raúl has just heard that and is getting very excited and is immediately writing the Norgan screwball <sighs> comedy fan fiction. Please, for the love of God, no! <laughs> oh no, Raúl, you can be a voice actor. If you want, we'll let you be a voice actor in the in the screwball comedy of It's a Wonderful Podcast, because that's a that's a kind of weird idea. 
and I'm kind of into it. Raul would only take it if he was the main character, though, let's be honest. That's true. Very big-headed. Very big-headed diva that Raul is. We, no, he's not. We, we love him. We do love him. When He's not a diva. I just like to call him that because I, like Clark Gable... I'm very playful to the people I love. Well, Ra- See, we have to re- I have a heart. We have to remember that Raul is also 97 years old, so this could be the last That's main true. character job he could get. That's true. There's a lot of in-jokes in this episode. If people don't know who Raul is, they'd be very lost right now. But this will uh, make them more intrigued to know who Raul is. Raul is a mystical figure. He is, indeed. He's not. He doesn't actually exist. Um... <laughs> what has happened? <laughs> he doesn't. He is a person. We haven't just made him up. What has happened today? What has happened? This have is... you not been drinking your tea or like? Uh, no, I, I, I have had a drink. I have eaten. I'm no way supposed to be in a weird mood yet. Here it is. I, I am in a weird mood. Let's get back onto it happen one night. Good idea. Um, uh, because, because the wedding comes up next. There is a wedding. Of course there's there a, is wedding. a wedding. It's a sc- there's always a wedding. Ugh. Ugh. Claudette Colbert and Wesley's wedding. Mm-hmm. And uh, Well, it doesn't go well for Wesley, does it? No, it doesn't. But uh, to be honest, no. he probably just went to the country club, ordered a steak and drank some scotch afterwards and was happy. Yes, I'm sure he did. With those with those weird scarf tennis things oh. that people wear at country clubs. Uh, <laughs> I get all of my knowledge of country clubs from Caddyshack, by the way. That is where all my knowledge of country clubs comes from. That is a fair comparison. <laughs> um, Claudette Colbert runs out on him at the wedding. Rightly so, because she wants Clark Gable... Clark Gable wants her, and they all live happily ever after because that's what happens at the end of romantic comedies, isn't it, Nolan? Indeed it is. What's holding up the annulment, you slowpokes? <laughs> that, that, that quote stood up to stood that's out. That's a great me when quote. I saw it. There's so many great quotes. Um, the I, Walls of Jericho. The Walls of Jericho is a fantastic quote, and the what am I supposed to do? Leap for joy is a fantastic deadpan quote. Uh, I do have a I do have a few very interesting bits of of other trivia though. To Let, let's do let's do the trivia segment. To close it's basically out. a segment now. To close out, I, I I always like to bring the trivia because bring it the, on. There's some there's some very interesting interesting things. I think the most obvious one, and I think the one people know the most. Um, from it happened one night is that Clark Gable's character in this was a huge inspiration for Bugs Bunny. I did not know that, but that makes so much sense. Yeah, with the the fast talking and the carrot. Bugs Bunny inspired from a journalist. Bugs Bunny inspired from Clark Gable in it happened one night, specifically. My but yeah, that that is true. My world will never be the same. That is true. Uh, I do know that Clark Gable, you know, because in in this era of Hollywood, studios owned actors by contract. Uh, they couldn't work for anyone else. They had to do their film for, for that studio. But Clark Gable was actually loaned to MGM uh, to make it happen one night as punishment for an affair he had with Joan Crawford. Madness. Are we thinking of the same Joan Crawford? Probably not. You're thinking of Joan Collins. No, I, I'm thinking of of Mommy Dearest Joan Crawford. Yeah, Joan Crawford. Yikes. Yikes well, is all I say young to that. Joan Crawford. Before she became a psychopath? Yeah. Probably. I don't know. Clark Gable had an affair with her. Oh, Clark. What? Clark Gable had an affair with her in the early 30s and... Is I, I think it was Paramount he was on. This is blowing my mind now. Like, oh my god. I, I'm sure Clark Gable was signed to Paramount. Um, and Paramount didn't like it. So he just went, right, 
as punishment, you're going to go and do this movie that no one really wants to do with MGM. And that was another thing. No one really wanted to do it happen one night, and it ended up winning Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Director, and Best Screenplay. Best Punishment the of my life, said Clark Gable. Best Punishment. Yes, he did. No one wanted to do it. That was a thing that's, that I, I I saw as well, uh, or I read about from a behind behind the scenes of, of It Happened One Night. Both Clark Gable and Claudette Colbert were just sort of, oh my God, let's just get this over with. We don't want to do this anymore. And it ended up winning the both Oscars. It's madness. I would love to see that kind of thing happen nowadays. I know, right? People don't actually care about a film they're doing, yet it still wins them an Oscar. Think about it. They don't look like they don't care about it. Very professional people. Absolutely. Uh, perhaps I'll 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 end with this bit of trivia, and then we'll we'll start to wrap up the nonsense for this week. Um, this is perhaps the most bizarre and kind of disturbing piece of trivia. Um, it, it happened one night. A favorite film of both Hitler and Joseph Stalin. Apparently. <laughs> Apparently, read that somewhere. Oh my god! I read that somewhere. So, so, it doesn't matter if you're if you're a far, far right wing dictator or a far, far left wing dictator, you will love it happen one night. Well, that that should be on the Blu-ray cover. That should really be on the Blu-ray cover. I love that. Um. A, a, an insane piece of trivia. Completely. It's, uh, I, I don't want to see that repackaged, like, approved by Hitler. No, it's, it's not, but... Like, what, another, what, what was another one of Hitler? I'm sure Hitler loved Wizard of Oz as well. Oh, God, no, no. I'm no, sure no. he did. Probably because he related to the Wicked Witch. <laughs> no, I'm sure he did, though. Like, Adolf Hitler, very good taste in film. Just gonna throw that out there. Very I thought good we taste. couldn't get more bizarre than the John Crawford thing. Yeah, we have got pretty bizarre today. Um, but that 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 was I, like I don't know if that's true, but I, I just read that somewhere. It was according to some sort of it was according to a book <laughs> by someone. Um, but I'd 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 love to think it was a favourite of both of those horrific dictators. <laughs> and. M- highly highly murderous people that they just sort of sat down oh we're not doing anything tonight what should we put on let's put on it happened one night and have a nice fun time when we're not killing people well there you go listeners there you go what a what a role you've been on for the last 40 minutes guys Uh, we've barely talked about the film uh, I will. I will get Nolan's final thoughts on what he thought of the film. There's, granted, with it being the type of film it is, there's not much in-depth conversation that we can have on it because it's just a, a delightful film from start to finish with great, just really, really fun to watch. And Nolan, what, what I'm gonna get your final thoughts on it? I can see why this won Best Picture and all those awards. I can. See why people enjoy it, uh, but for my own tastes, I do prefer bringing up Baby to this movie. However, mm-hmm. it happened one night is something that I I would probably watch if like it was on TV or something. I can't see myself wanting to rewatch it as much as something like bringing up Baby, but okay. overall, pretty solid. Wonderful, and that was of course Nolan's first time watching it happen one night as a. Uh, as I go on my quest of introducing him to all the great screwball comedies of of the 30s and the 40s, uh, which one should I introduce to him next? Please let us know on I, the I, Twitters. I, hashtag... Ideally, not one approved by Adolf Hitler. Well, it doesn't matter, because like we said, <laughs> good taste in film. Um, use the hashtag, it's a wonderful one. Uh, to tell me what screwball comedies I should choose and force Nolan to watch next. 
And will he like any of them more than he likes bringing up baby? There's a discussion for the listeners out there. Nolan, do you want to plug anything? Uh, I do. Uh, my own channel um, is now being slightly rebranded. Yesterday, I put out a nice little logo because I finally figured out how to use Final Cut Pro after many long, frustrating months. Months? So, yeah, I've, I've been trying to use Final Cut Pro for ages, and it always mm. frustrates the hell out of me. Mm. But from now on, my video essays are going to be slightly different. I'm going to be focusing on using storytelling as lessons and like what we could learn from movies and what's... Uh, how you can use that to become better storytellers. And my next one, which I'm writing right now, is quite timely for something that's coming out at the end of the month. Um, it's going to be a series of unfortunate events looking at the world through the eyes of a child, which I think is going to be a really fun topic for me to delve into. I love those books, and I really like that Netflix show. And um, I just I just realized we haven't even talked about what we're doing next week. No, we haven't, actually. But, first, before we talk about what we're doing next week, I will say, everybody go and check out what Nolan's doing, because he, he, he loves what he does, and he puts a lot of effort into what he does. And if you're on the YouTubes right now, uh, he's, one of the, he's one of the featured channels. Of course he's one of the featured channels. His video essay playlist is on the homepage of the It's a Wonderful uh, Podcast YouTube channel. But if you are on audio only... Then go on over to YouTube, search Nolan Dean, and find all his cool stuff there. It's that easy. There is a nice, there's a nice one on the Lion King that came out last week as well, which I had a lot of fun. All of his stuff's wonderful. Nolan, though, um, you did mention it, and it is your choice next week. Let's not forget. Mm-hmm. What are we doing next week? I'm gonna tell you right now. He's gonna tell us right now after he takes a drink. <laughs> Could it be? Yes, it could. Something's coming, something good. It's West Side Story. We're but he be... had to sing. Yes. Cause, he just uh, had to sing. Because this is something really close to my heart. Um, I played Tony in West Side Story when I was a kid, so mm -hmm. I really want to bring that kind of uh, sort of personal journey with this movie, and it's a fan favorite on one of my uh, guilty pleasure shows, if you can call it that, Glee. They love talking about their musicals, and I was on a musical high this month, so we're going to be talking West Side Story. And I hope Raul yes. does not judge that little singing interlude, because I know he's listening. Yes, we are. Um, I I have I have my, my musicals I, I loved as a child as well, for sure. Oliver from 1968. I am the only person that thinks that fully deserved to win Best Picture that year. Uh, <laughs> I I love that one. Uh, perhaps the most interesting thing about next week's show, though, will be uh, the fact that it's my first time watching West Side Story. You are kidding me. I am not kidding you. I've never seen West Side Story. I've seen oh. a lot of musicals. West Side Story has slipped through the cracks until now. It's got one of the best soundtracks of any musical from the 60s. I basically know it as the dance fighting film. There's a bit more to it than that, but I'm going to let you find that out for yourself. Yeah, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. It is one of, the few, uh, one of the few that has truly slipped through the cracks with me. And I'm, I'm looking forward to watching it a lot. And I'm looking forward to speaking about it. Uh, with you definitely i don't know what my choice is going to be after that but uh we've got a, i've got a while to think about that maybe it'll be one of your suggestions that you suggested if you want a slightly more weird episode throw us throw us another screwball comedy and we'll just have fun with it if you want a more serious episode like like the rebel without a cause episode for instance which i i felt was a great episode i thought it was a really nice serious kind of topic uh throw us a film that where we can have a bit of a a bit of a discussion because we like doing that as well. Yes, we'll always be a bit silly, but that's just you know the We're style British, of it's things. What we do. It is. It's what we do. Um, <laughs> before we go though, I uh, I will I will do a little little tiny little plug myself. And uh, finally, I uh, there's going to be some more stuff on my uh, Purple Don YouTube 
channel, which is another one of the featured channels in uh, on on It's a Wonderful Podcast YouTube channel. And again, if you are on audio only, go onto YouTube, type in Purple Don, and you'll find it. Um, I am going to. I've been saying I've been going to read old short stories in my own audio book kind of form. I've been saying I'm going to do that for months, and I'm finally actually going to do it because I've already recorded a few. And they are coming, and I am happy with them. And uh, obviously, for anybody who knows me, it's near enough going to be all horror-based, gothic story-type stuff. Um, all from the, well, early 20th century and before, because that's what's in the public domain. Um, <laughs> and I can use them in whatever way I want. Thanks, the law um but yeah those are coming i uh if anybody has any suggestions for any short ghost stories horror stories that uh from that time that they uh that they would like me to read on my uh on on my purple on youtube channel it's not going to be it's not it's not a series that has a name they're just going to be basically up there um, but if anyone does have any suggestions, then please fire them across as well. At uh, at the Purple Don on Twitter, as always, with a three instead of the E in the, because Patrice Evra. Follow the podcast at It's a Wonderful One. Follow Nolan. At NolanDean27. And I think that he's going to do it for this week's episode of It's a Wonderful Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, guys. We hope you have had fun listening to it because we have had a bit of weird fun recording this one. Uh, until next week and West Side Story, which, yes, I know it's hard to believe I've never seen. Goodbye. <laughs>